Excuse me. Can you all hear me pretty good? Pretty all right? Perfect. All right. Well, it's good to be back with you guys once again. It's been a while. I think it's been since, I think, early November since I've last been here. And so I'm very excited to be up here with you guys once, once more. Um, <clears throat> all right. The depth of love of parents for their children, it cannot be measured. It is like no other relationship. It exceeds concern for life itself. For the love of a parent for a child is continuous and transcends heartbreak and disappointment. James E. Faust. There's something special about the relationship between a parent and a child, about the love that they share. It's a precious bond unlike any we ever experience, a unique, unique thing. And just like many of us, when we were newborns, if you really think about it, the first relationship we ever experience is with our parents. When we come into this world, the first people we get to know and love, that first love we have, is for our mother and father. There's something special about that, don't you think? And even outside of that, uh, <clears throat> we may have people in our lives, you know, due to certain circumstances, um, that kind of take on that parental figure for us, whether it's a grandparent, uh, or maybe an older brother, an older sister, an aunt and uncle, or maybe a boss, a coworker, a teacher, or a mentor. Someone that we had as kind of like a guardian kind of figure. For example, in my life, um, right now, I, I live in Lubbock, Texas as a student at Sunset. And I live about 10 hours away from my family, from my parents in Searcy, Arkansas. And because of that distance, I don't really get to see them that often. I get to see them uh, during holidays, maybe, and maybe certain small trips I get to do uh, with AIM and stuff, and stuff like that. Usually, I don't get to see them super often. Pretty hard sometimes, you know, spending certain holidays or certain weekends where I would usually be spending with my parents and my sisters, I kind of get to spend alone um, in Lubbock. But graciously enough, there's been a couple in Lubbock that have kind of taken me in and kind of adopted me as their own. And their names are Robbie and Carla Stevens. Graham, Robbie is one of the AIM administration there that helps run the program. Uh, specifically, he helps run the staff, the AIM assistants. And uh, for as long as I can remember, they've always showed me love. Um, they've always done that with the AIMers that come every year, but especially with the AIM assistants and the AIM staff. So much so that they've even adopted me as their son. They said, you're now our son. Um, you can't change that, and it will always be that way. And it's been really great to have them, uh, have them, for me, have them there for me in my life where I'm at. I get to spend certain holidays with them. I get to hang out with them. I get to dog sit their dog and get to just, you know, play games with Robbie, and host certain events with them. It's just great. It's been a privilege to be able to be with them, and uh, it's, it's great to kind of have, in a way, have some Lubbock parents um, that can help take care of me, and I can show love to um, when I'm not with my real parents. Or another example I think of is uh, my mom. My mom growing up, um, when she was born, uh, my grandmother, her mom, really wasn't there for her growing up. Uh, she was off doing other things that she thought were more important in her life than taking care of her daughter. And so because of that, my mother's grandmother, uh, or my great-grandmother, or Nana, as my mom would call her, took care of her as if she was her own, um, taking care of her and being her guardian up until my mom was 18, where she, unfortunately, uh, my Nana passed away. 
Um, and after that, my mom was kind of out on her own for a long time until she kind of discovered the church. Um, and when she did, God blessed her in having some of the older ladies in the congregation there take care of her. She lived with, I think, at least two of the members uh, in her early years, in her early college years, and she talks very highly of her experiences with them. And when she sees them, it's like she's seeing her mom for, uh, it's, like, it's like picking up like right where they left off, as if she was her own mom. And then once my mom became a Christian and got more involved with the church, um, one of the elders and her wife, and his wife, excuse me, and his wife, uh, also continued to take care of her. So much so that when my mom came back from Ecuador with my dad and with me, um, they became like grandparents to me and helped teach my dad uh, how to speak English. Um, the elder's wife taught my dad how to drive here in the States and how to, you know, get around and what, what life looked like here in the United States. So they took care of my parents and took care of me. And if it wasn't for the example, uh, examples that my nana and those ladies and the elder uh, showed my mom, I don't think I'd be the man I am today. I wouldn't have experienced the kind of love that my mom showed me. And so my point being in saying all of this is that we, in some shape or form, we've all experienced this kind of relationship. Whether we were from the perspective of the child, you know, the one being cared for, or being the parent um, in the relationship, being that, that guardian for someone, or being someone's actual father or mother. It's a very special thing. And so now you may ask, why do I bring this up? Why am I talking about this, of all people? You know, heck, I'm not even married, and so I'm not even close to having children of my own. So how would someone like, why would someone like me want to talk about this kind of aspect of this relationship? Well, and maybe it's just because I'm feeling extra grateful for my parents, and um, I've been missing them a lot lately, um, getting the chance to be with them at Thanksgiving. Um, there's just, there's this aspect. There's this one thing as Christians, I feel like it, Incredibly important for us to understand. Something that is vital in our relationship, not only with each other as a church and with the relationships that we, we form outside of the church. Not only is it important for that, but it's important in understanding our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, with our Creator. And this is something I didn't begin to understand or even experience until I really looked at my relationship with my parents and even with those who have been mentors to me or have been like parent-like figures to me. And this thing I want to talk about is unconditional love. You might have heard, you might have heard this phrase before. The love, you've heard it in certain sermons or classes, if you're in the youth or other conferences. But that's what I want to talk about this morning. That's what I would like to focus on today, is this idea of unconditional love. But not just talk about it, but understand three aspects of it. I want us to know what it is, what, uncondi what unconditional love is, what it looks like and how God shows it to us, and more, most importantly, why it's important for us to understand, why it's important for us to know. And so to start, I want to ask this question, what is love? How do we define love? I think that's a great way to start if we're talking about unconditional love. Well, in the English language, we have, we have the word love, and we use it for a plethora of things. Of course, we only have the one way of saying it, L-O-V-E. But we use it in different circumstances. For example, I could say, I love my family. I love my sisters. I love my brother. I love my dogs. Or you could use it in the, in the context of being like, oh, I love French fries. Oh, I love, I love the Kansas City Chiefs, or et cetera, et cetera, whatever it may be. We're using the word love, but is the love I have for my parents the same as I have the love, as the love? It's very different. It's very different. Even in Spanish, there's two ways to say the word I love you. There's two ways. There's te amo and there's te quiero. 
Um, both, if you translate it into English, would translate to I love you, but you use them in very different circumstances. If you were to use te amo, you would use it in the context of saying that to a family member or to uh, a wife or a husband or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's a very deep, intimate love. In certain contexts, it can be a romantic love. I would never say that to my, uh, to my classmates. Hey, te amo, bro. I don't know you that I don't know you like that. But that's why we have the word te quiero. Um, you use te quiero uh, in the context of saying that to your friends, uh, to your companions, to your coworkers, those you have built relationships. Still a deep, deep relationship, a deep love, but it's different. I would never say te quiero to, uh, to my grandmother, my abuelita. If I said te quiero to my abuelita, she'd probably smack me. She'd be like, you know our love is more important than that. And even in the Bible, we see different ways of the word love being translated. There's agape, there's philia, there's pragma. There's so many different ways to say love. And even in media, we see different portrayals of love, whether that's romantic or with a parent and child figure or whatever kind of, uh, excuse me, or whatever kind of example you want to think of. So how do we define love? How do we define love in this context of figuring out what unconditional love is? Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for us to start in 1 John chapter 4. Verses 16, we're going to stay in this passage for, the, uh, for most of the lesson, but we're only going to read verse 16 to start off with. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> and it reads, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. For God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. <clears throat> and God remains in him. Verse 17, By this love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, we also are in this world. So according to this verse, when we're trying to figure out the definition of love, it's a, there's a very simple answer. It's like, well, God is love. God is love. Well, if, I, if you were to say to me, uh, maybe a couple years ago, I would have been like, okay, but what does that mean? What is love in this context? God is love. Well, if you look in the original Greek, if you look in the, the original language in this verse, the word love here translates to the word agape. And we're, we're going to talk about that specific kind of love. Well, then you hear agape, like, well, what does that mean? What is agape love? What is that? Um, when researching and diving into this word, I found a couple different definitions, but I think they all, they all fit. Some, <clears throat> some resources say that agape... Uh, agape love can mean the fatherly love God has for us and the love he wants to receive back from us. Some other places said that agape love is the highest form of love one can have. It is an encompassing love, a love that covers all, and that is very inclusive and shows a lot of things. It's a charitable love, a love that keeps on giving and never stops. The love that moved God so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross so that we may be saved and may have a relationship with him. And of course, like I said, there's other forms of the word love in the Bible. And those words fit to their circumstances that they're put in. But I think in the context of trying to figure out what unconditional love is, I think this is the proper way, uh, proper one we should use. It is a love, like I said, that encompasses so much, a love that continues to give it is a love that requires no conditions, no requirements to have. 
Unconditional love is a love we did not earn, but it is offered freely to us. No matter what we have done, to re- no matter what we're, we do in return. It's a love so intense that it doesn't matter what horrible thing we've ever done. We will never not be loved. That is unconditional love, a love that requires no conditions. It is given to us freely with no strings attached. That is the love God offers. So what does that look like? Let's think about that. It's like, okay, now that we know what it is, what does unconditional love look like? How does God show that? In Sunset right now, I'm in my second term. Um, Right now, I'm only... The classes I'm taking um, are very different from the first classes I took in the beginning of the term. Specifically, one class in particular. I'm taking a class called the Scheme of Redemption. And the short version of how that, what we do in that class is we're trying to figure out and understand the whole plan God had in the Bible. Since the very beginning before time, all the way even today, the plan he had to redeem us. And we see that through the different messianic prophecies and the prophets throughout the Old Testament. We see the different seeds and the foreshadowing God has placed, the way he protects this certain seed line. And even through David to eventually get to Jesus. That is what the, that is what, <clears throat> excuse me, the class of the scheme of redemption is, doing an in-depth dive and figuring out what this plan is that God gave us so that he may redeem us. Big thing that it leads up to, the scheme of redemption, is this idea that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. That was God's plan ever since the beginning, because we're going to sin. So he came up with something in advance so that when we do sin, he can get us back. <clears throat> and that thing was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, sending his only son, a man who did no wrong, who was perfect in every way, who loved people. To die on a cross as an innocent man in place of us, all of us who are guilty. That's how he shows his unconditional love. He provides a way for us to have a relationship with him. And so why is this important? Why, why, why do we need to understand this as Christians? Well, if you go back to 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to read 16 again, but I'm going to read 16 through 19. I'm going to read the whole passage this time. And keep in mind, ask yourself this question as we're reading. Why is this important for us to know as Christians? Verse 16. We have come to know and have believed that the love which God has for us. For God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. By this, love is perfected with us. So that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, we also are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. For we love because he first loved us. When I read this passage, a bunch of things stuck out to me. One of those first things was, it, I think it's crazy that this idea that this love that God provides for us is perfected with us. Verse 17 says that. It says, by this, love is perfected with us. Oh, excuse me, with us. So that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. God wants us to be a part of this relationship he's giving to us. He wants us to be part of this unconditional love, so much so that he's saying, it's better with you in it. Think about it, parents. Whenever you have your children, did you want, you wanted them to you better. You don't have children just, be, just to neglect them. At least you shouldn't. 
You have children so that you have something to love, something to care for, and so that they can care and love for you back, so you can have that relationship, so it makes you a better person. It's the same thing with Jesus or with, with God and us. It's a complete mirror. It makes it, it we, we make it better. So he wants us involved in that. Not only that, not only does he want us to be a part of it, and does, that not only does it make it better, but if we understand. not because of where we're going to end up. It doesn't become about this fear. I don't become a Christian out of fear. I become a Christian out of this idea that God's going to make me a better person, that he's going to use me to love other people, to show them that they are wanted and that they have a purpose in this world. It doesn't become about where I end up, but it becomes, it becomes about what he did for us and the care he actually shows us. That's why it's important for us to know this so that we can understand that we have a purpose, so that we can get a grand scope of how much God loves us and that we share and that we need to share that with others. It allows me to be a better friend. It allows me to be a better son, a better brother, and eventually, God willing, a better husband and a better father. One of my biggest prayers is that when I become a father, to whether my son or to my daughter, that they can see my example of love and not only be grateful for me, but be grateful for the one that created us so that they can see God in our relationship. Like I said, this wasn't a concept I didn't fully grasp until I was older, until I began to really reflect on my relationship with my parents. Growing up, you know, we, we heard, I, I always heard so many different things. When I asked my parents if I could go do this or if I could go with my friends to this, they'd always, sometimes they'd say, no, you can't do that. You're going to stay home. Or no, you're going to be grounded and I'm going to take your phone away. And so many times when they'd say that, I'd get angry, I'd feel frustrated, I'd say, why? What's the point? Why are you doing this? I'm sure parents, I'm sure this sounds a bit familiar if you're doing the, if, when you're disciplining your children, you're telling them that they can't go. And at the time, I, I was frustrated and confused. I was angry at my parents. I was thinking like, oh, they don't understand. No. But as I got older, as I matured, and as I made some of those mistakes, I began to understand why my parents did those things. They did that to protect me. They did it to love me. And that showed me that no matter what I did, no matter what mistakes I made, how, no matter how many times I constantly messed up, they still loved me. They were always going to love me and that I was always going to be their son. And I remember there was a point um, in Brazil, when I lived in Brazil, um, this was kind of a realization I had. And I remember weeping and being incredibly grateful one, I was thousands of miles away, but that, because I wanted to give them a hug and say, thank you so much for what you're doing. And I couldn't in that moment because I was so far away. But regardless, I began to understand. I'm like, this is... ...scope, and 10 times more than what our parents show us or whatever parental guardian you, you have. It was something I became, became incredibly grateful for and thankful for. If it wasn't for my relationship with my parents and the hardship and the love that they showed me, I don't think I'd be able to, I don't think I would have been able to understand how important God's love is for us. As I begin to close, I want us to talk, I want us to go over what we talked about. We defined what unconditional love is and why it's important for us to understand, why it's important for us as Christians to know that God is love and that he wants to share that love with us and that we should share that love with others.
Or if we, if we stay in this love, it says here right here, in verse, let me see, there is, verse 16, it says, for God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. It's important for us to stay with God and stay in that love because he'll be with us if we do. Then I want to ask you then, as we really close, Christians who are brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to ask you and I want to challenge you. Have you been taking this love for granted? Have you forgotten the love that God has shown you all your life? If so, I want to challenge you to recognize his love again. I I challenge you to see that he wants you to be a part of it and that your life will be so much better if you let God in, if you choose God and you let him love you and you love him back. Maybe today you're here as a visitor or or maybe you're not a Christian yet. If so, and maybe you're feeling this sense of hopelessness, uh, this despair, like there's this hole missing. Maybe you're feeling unwanted. If so, I'm here to tell you that there is someone who wants you, who wants you more than anything in this world, anyone in this world. And his name is Jesus Christ. He wants you so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for you, die on the cross for you, die on the cross for your sins. He provided a way for you to be part of his family. And he wants you to be part of his family. If you feel so inclined and you feel so willing to to recognize what God's love has done for you and that you want to fully appreciate and not take it for granted anymore, I ask you to please talk to someone, Christians, please talk to the elders, other other members, uh, to to seek help, to, to get on the right path again. And like I said, if you're a Christian and you want to be part of this family, like I said, Jesus has provided a way for you to do that through the waters of baptism. And so as we begin to, as, as I close, if you feel so inclined, if you feel so willed, please get some help as we stand and as we sit.